you have your Bibles today, would you open them uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, we try to put all the scriptures we reference on the screen so you can follow along. Uh, but love it when we get acquainted with our own Bibles. So we encourage you to get a Bible, bring a Bible. Uh, while you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, again, hello to our online community. So grateful that you're watching, whether live here on Sunday morning or sometime later in the week or weeks to come. Thanks for taking time to, to join us. Special hello this week to Jacob in Bozeman, you and your family. Uh, we love hearing how other communities uh, or other places in other communities are, are tuning into to Anchor. So Jacob, thanks for being a part of this community. Uh, grateful for you. You matter. Say hello to the family, the wife, the kids. And uh, we just love um, what God is doing in this church, whether it's in person or online. And we know there's reasons and, reasons and seasons for people to be online and uh, grateful for that community. Second Second Corinthians uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 11 is where we'll be today. In a moment, we're going to read all the way through the end of the chapter. But verse 5 is kind of the theme verse for the series we just began last week. And it says this, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. So we're going to dig into this a lot more in just a moment. But uh, this idea that... Uh, because we understand our fearful responsibility that we as followers of Jesus, although it will show up in different ways, we will work hard to persuade others. The word persuade is uh, not an unfamiliar word, that it is, it is um, communicating in a way that causes someone who doesn't believe the same as you to believe what you believe. Uh, I was looking at the definitions of persuade, and I think it was the second or third definition uh, was to tranquilize. And I was like, wouldn't that just be the ideal evangelistic tool? If we could just be like walk around with little guns that, uh, that shoot darts that just cause people to fall asleep and we just drag them into faith and they wake up believing. Like that would be the ideal persuasion is tranquilizing. Plus all the people that are gone hunting this weekend, I think they'd be a lot more faithful to church if they could tranquilize people for the gospel. Uh, but to persuade is, is to communicate in such a way that brings people who don't see the same way or believe the same way into that belief. And we will work hard to persuade others. This is a call to engage in a church word called evangelism. Evangelism is the sharing of the gospel of Jesus, the good news that we believe in and we profess. It's the spreading of that gospel through public preaching and through personal witness. It's both. I want to make this very clear that evangelism absolutely takes place in moments like this where someone is communicating the truths of Scripture. That is, there is a time and a place for that, and it's helpful, and so many people grow in their faith or find faith through evangelism in this manner. But it is not just on the public preachers, the public speakers, to carry the weight of evangelism. That evangelism is for every follower of Jesus because it is also through personal witness. And so we are going to be a people in this series where we're looking into what does it look like to work hard, to persuade others, to engage in the work of evangelism regardless of my gift set or regardless of how long I've been following Jesus. How do I engage? But our heart and our vision as a church is not to just evangelize. There's another church word called discipleship. And discipleship is where you take someone who has, has decided to follow Jesus and you walk with them into maturity so that they're not just, uh, they're told about the gospel of Jesus, they love it, they believe it, they receive it, and then they try to figure it out on their own. Discipleship is helping new believers grow into maturity. And sometimes in the church world, there seems to be an opposition that these are against each other. Are you evangelistic? Are you just trying to get the gospel out to as many people as possible? Or are you more discipleship driven where you are, you're taking believers and you're 
just growing them into maturity. I want to tell you, we do not see evangelism and discipleship at odds with each other. We, we see that discipleship matters. Growing in maturity and faith matters, but the first step of discipleship is evangelism. We, we've got a mission statement at our church. We say it this way. We exist to see the lost found and the found anchored in the hope of Jesus. Other words we could substitute here is we exist to evangelize and then to disciple. I want to tell you we're a church that believes that we are called to be both. That yes, we will share the gospel with as many people as God allows us to. And we believe that there ought to be more and more people hearing the good news of Jesus. But we don't just stop at the lost being found. We also believe that when God allows people to come into our community who have put their faith in him, that we also have a calling, that we exist to see the found grow into maturity, the found to be anchored. So you're in a church that is not going to just try to side with one or the other. We believe that, that to honor the call of God, that we are to see the lost found and the found anchor, that we'll be engaged in both evangelism and discipleship. So last week we gave like, how do we engage as individuals? How do we engage in evangelism? We gave quick three points that I want to remind you of, and then we're going to jump into the text today. Uh, we talked about praying for, investing in, and inviting to. Praying for individual people, people that you work with, you go to school with, family members, people that you interact with. You're praying for individuals uh, that you believe that God may have placed in your life for you to be the personal witness of the gospel of Jesus. You pray for them. And then you invest in relationships. The discipleship requires relationship. So you invite them over for dinner. You check in on how their doctor's appointment went. You go out golfing with them. You go to the concert. You, you, you cheer on their kids at sporting events. Like you build relationship with them. You invest in relationship. And then you invite them to gospel opportunities. Now that can be the church, but it's not isolated to the church. What are gospel opportunities that are available to you that you can say, hey, uh, I'm praying for you. And now I'm investing in relationship. And now there's gonna be opportunities for you to hear and to learn more of what the gospel is. So this is what we are all called to do. In this series, we're gonna talk extensively about what does it mean for you individually to engage in this call. Let's look now at 2 Corinthians chapter five. We're gonna start back in verse 11 and read through verse 21. It says this, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems that we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if, uh, and if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Some of your translations use the word compels. Christ's love controls or compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And he's given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we 
are Christ's ambassadors. Let me say this again. We, who, us, we, we in here, online, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We speak for Christ when we engage in evangelism. Verse 21, the grand finale here, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I got to read that one one more time. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering, the sacrifice for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I'm not sure why there's not more smiles right now. This is the best news you will hear today. I don't know what's coming today. You might get good news. I'm praying you get lots of good news. It will not be this. That God loved us, cared for us, loved you enough that he who had no sin took on the penalty for my sin, for your sin, so that you and I could be made right with God. This is just the best. This is, this is the gospel. Uh, this, this chapter, I'm going to be honest with you, these verses we just read are probably my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. It is just rich with so much we could talk about. Uh, we're going to just focus in on a simple concept out of this today. Maybe someday, if we both stick around long enough, we'll dig into all of the beauty of this chapter. But we're going to zero in on a couple of thoughts here today from the best news you will hear all day. Um, understanding or clarity can oftentimes make a significant difference in what we know and what we believe in how we act and how important something is. Simple uh, clarity or simple understanding can have a very significant difference in our lives. For example, um, I've got a son. He is six years old in the first grade, and uh, he has a classmate, this sweet little girl, uh, who is at his, his table right now. They're, they're table buddies. And we know the family of this little girl. And uh, her, her father and I were just talking this last week and how cool it is that our kids are in the same class and that they're at the same table and uh, that they, they're, they're building a friendship together. It was so fun. Now, this little girl, she's uh, in first grade and still uh, working on some of her, her sounds uh, that when she's communicating, making all of her sounds correct. She's got the sweetest little voice. And we were talking uh, again with... Uh, her father this week, and she said, hey, he said, I got to tell you the story of, of, of our kids hanging out. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. He said, uh, my daughter came home and said that, that me and Finley are hanging out, and we're talking a lot, and I was like, that's, that's awesome, and uh, she says, uh, Dad, Finley and I, we both love Violet, and uh, I hear the story, and my heart just melts because Violet is this, this special needs girl in their class, and so I hear uh, Finley and I love Violet. I'm like, oh, my sweet little boy. I'm so glad that there's sweetness in you when you're at school. Like, you're wild, you're crazy. But this is just, this, I, my heart melts. And, I, I, and uh, he says uh, to the daughter, he's like, oh, well, who's Violet? She says, no, 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 we, we love Violet. And uh, he's like, yeah, who is, is Violet? And, uh, and, and then she communicates again, no, 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 and slows down and enunciates and says, no, Finley and I, we both love violence. <laughs> Totally different story. My heart for my sweet little boy just went, oh, he's there talking to this sweet little girl about how much violence is amazing. We love violence together. And this simple understanding, simple clarity changed the whole story of how sweet this kid was to, oh, no, 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 you just, you just like talking about blood and gore with your other first grade students. This is, this is not the story I thought I was going to hear. 
Simple subtleties like that can make a world of difference. Understanding matters. Do you guys, some of you are, are still students at high school, college. If not, maybe you remember back in the day when you were given an assignment, and I believe we've all done it at least once, where we worked hard on an assignment only to recognize we we're operating under misinformation. Remember in math when they said like one through 300 odd? For one, why so many? And for another, why just the odds? You know what I mean? This is how it went. It went through whatever odd. Have you ever got like halfway through it and be like, I'm doing evens. This is not okay. And just, your heart sinks. Uh, it was just the worst. It's not that you didn't work hard. It's just there wasn't clarity and understanding of where the effort needed to go. Understanding clarity can make a world of difference in so many aspects of our life. And it happens here even spiritually. Us in our relationship with the Lord and following Jesus, understanding his call, his priorities, getting clarity on now that I've received grace, now what do I do from here? Understanding is, is motivation, but understanding also is clarity on am I putting my time, my energy, my resources, my finances, my efforts, are they being put in the proper direction? So understanding actually really matters. What we see in this text is our theme verse says we work hard to persuade others. Why do we work hard? What motivates us to work hard? It says because we understand our fearful responsibility. And when we understand the results of understanding, it is motivation to work hard. That maybe sometimes our motivation is lacking in evangelism or looking out for other people. Sometimes our motivation is just, what can I get out of my relationship with the church? What can God do for me? Which those things exist, but when we lack motivation to engage in persuading others, that must mean there's a disconnect in where I'm at and my understanding, my fearful responsibility before the Lord. Because when we understand, we work hard. Understanding brings motivation. So the question today, and the question that I want to, to posture this entire series on, is do we understand this fearful responsibility? Not are we working hard, but do we understand? We could evaluate based on how hard we're working, but that, that is not sustainable. What actually motivates us over the long haul is not did someone give me this challenge to work hard, but do I understand? Because understanding will result in us all working hard for the rest of our days. Rather than, hey, that was a cool sermon series that got me excited for a season, and then it faded away. The ultimate goal here today and in the series is to understand, do we know the fearful responsibility? I think it's easy for us and I think a danger of this series, even naming it Double Vision, could communicate that the goal is let's just have more people in this building than we, we had when this series started. I think I explained this thoroughly last week, so I'm not going to take the time right now. If you got some questions about uh, the heart behind the series, go listen to the intro last week. The goal is not just how many more people can we fit in here, but the goal is are we, are we understanding our fearful responsibility where we will work hard and the results will be growth, impact, maturity, that we will see more lives, more souls finding their home in the grace of God. And so double vision is not specifically let's see Anchor Church double. The, the, the vision behind the series Double Vision is how do we all engage in understanding our purpose on this planet until God takes us home so that we are consistently seeing the impact of this body doubling. 
because we all understand that there's, there's time left on my life. I should be influencing someone else. I should be working hard to persuade others. It doesn't mean they ever have to come to Anchor Church. Maybe, maybe there's another church in our community, or maybe they don't even live in this community, but you are engaging with them. You are helping introduce them to the gospel of Jesus and walking through life with them, and the impact of our church is always doubling. The impact for the kingdom is always doubling. Um, I was looking into to double vision and even the medical double vision. Um, the medical term for double vision is diplopia, which that would have been just the sickest name for a series, right? Diplopia. Uh, diplopia is what we know as double vision. Diplopia, uh, who knew that as a pastor you'd start studying these things, but diplopia is not something that you choose to have. I mean, we could try to cross our eyes and temporarily see double, but double vision is not something that you, you choose to grow into. Double vision happens either by sudden trauma, you get hit in the head or there's a stroke or a concussion can create double vision, or there's the long-term subtle effects of, uh, of, of either cataracts or other long-term effects that build up to the spot where you gain double vision. Double vision is always the result of something previous. It's not a choice to have double vision. And so spiritually, as a church community, we can all just try really hard to have spiritual double vision, and that's the goal of this series. Or we could say there are things that precede double vision, and it's this progressive growing and understanding the call of God on our lives that leads to double vision. Or my prayer is that sometime over the course of these eight weeks, that something maybe just hits you over the head just suddenly, like all of a sudden you realize this is bigger than just me that I suddenly have a passion for the things that Jesus is passionate about, and evangelism becomes a part of your life. Um, we're going to jump straight down into verse 18. We've just talked about uh, that when you've received the amazing gift of Jesus, you're no longer living for yourself. It says that the old you is gone and new life has come. And in verse 18, it says this, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. As if God, God is making his appeal through us, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Uh, where I really want to zero in in our, our minutes that we have left is, he says we are ambassadors. This is, this is language that maybe isn't often spoken of in, in church world, but uh, I, I, I at least don't hear it often, but it says that we are ambassadors. Amongst other labels we could call ourselves, we are Christ's ambassadors. I want to give two very quick points on what an ambassador is. Number one, an ambassador lives in one world, but represents another. Secondly, an ambassador must carry a message. An ambassador is from one location, but is existing in another. And while they're existing there, they are carrying, delivering a message from their authority. And we are called to be ambassadors. Scripture in several places says that we are alien strangers on this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. Yet this is where we're currently existing. And to be an ambassador, you can't just exist here. You also need to be carrying and delivering a message. This is what we are called to be. And I think that's... Um, Possibly one of the greatest gifts outside of salvation itself is the ability to now be a representative of God with that same gospel. Yet, largely, this, goes, this is a gift that goes unopened. That, yes, salvation is awesome. I'm going to receive forgiveness, hope, eternal life. And yet never walk in the gift that's also given where we get to carry out this message to others. I love that it says that this is a gift for us 
and we get to carry this to others. So we carry a message. And what is our message? It's reconciliation. To reconcile means to restore. It means to make right. Reconcile means something was right. Something happened that made it fall into disrepair. And now the work is being done to make it right once again. Reconcile actually um, was a diplomatic term of establishing peace with an enemy that didn't deserve it. Saying, hey, we're at odds with each other. I, I, I don't want to keep fighting about this anymore. So to reconcile says, I will cover the distance. I will make peace with you, even though you're my enemy. You don't deserve it. I will do the work to make peace. I will suffer the loss that I could demand of you, but I'm just going to wipe that clean so that we can be at peace with each other, so that we can be reconciled. And I love that this is what God has done for us, that when we didn't deserve it, it says that he became the sin for us. And not only is this the message for us, this is the message that we deliver. It's verse 21, God made Christ to never sin, to, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. That Jesus covered all of the distance to make things right with me. And this is the message that not only do we get to receive, it's the message now that we get to share. We get to carry this message to share with others. I wanna tell you, if you have received salvation, you are now an ambassador. You now have a message to share and your message is the reconciliation that you have experienced is available to those that are in your life. Salvation is such a gift, but the purpose, the task, the, the mission that we're sent on afterwards is also such a gift. I love that God didn't just draft you to the team. He's putting you in the game. Like he's engaging you in the work. I love that Jesus, he is building his church. And whether we engage or not, he's been at this business for 2,000 years, done a fairly well job of building his church, and he's going to keep doing it. But he doesn't need us to do it, but he allows us to participate in what he is doing and doing so well in the building of his church. What a privilege to participate in and continue the work of Jesus that we, you and I, I know me, you know you, and yet God still lets us be carriers of his gospel. And I don't, like, I don't trust my kids to carry my coffee, and God lets me carry his gospel. He lets you carry his most precious gospel. I believe that it's nearly impossible to understand the gospel without becoming a carrier of the gospel, a distributor of the gospel. I want to tell you that um, you don't have to wait to share the amazing news that, that you've experienced in Jesus. That if you've received grace right here, right now, you get to be a distributor of that same message. I tell you, if, if God only planned on using you later, he would have waited till later to call you. But you are a new creation. That old you that keeps telling you you don't have what it takes to share the gospel, that person is dead and gone and buried. And there is a new you, and the new you is an ambassador. He doesn't call you and say, maybe you can earn this later. No, once you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You are an ambassador. You've been reconciled, and you get to carry the message of reconciliation to others. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he writes a uh, vast majority of the New Testament, and he writes to specific churches in specific cities. So Ephesians is written to the believers in Ephesus, and Colossians to the church in Colossae, and Thessalonica is the Thessalonian letters. And so he writes these letters, and you see so often in almost all of his letters to the churches, to the believers, he says, I'm writing this to you who are in Christ, and then he says, and you're also in Colossae, or you're in Christ, and you're also in Ephesus. He makes this distinction of you are both. 
You are both in Christ and you are in your city. And I think that uh, this can so easily be looked over. I think this is beautiful what Paul is telling us. Like, you need to know your dual identity. You need to know that you are an ambassador. You are in Christ. That is your home. That is your, that, it, he is your leader. He is your king. You are in Christ. But while you are in Christ, you also, for the season of time, are living in another community. And you are in Christ, but you are also in Missoula. I love that he is saying that um, you need to understand who you are. That you're not just in Christ, and then you go to a church, and you've got this faith system, but on the side, you also have a job, and you also go to school, and you're also on a team, and you also have employees, and you also have coworkers, and, and you also have clients. And he's saying, no, no, you are in Christ, and at the same time, you are in these other worlds, these other realms, these other uh, circles of influence. You are both. And I wonder what it would look like if we recognize that we are in Christ, and yet we are sent as an ambassador into those other circles. That I am in Christ, but I'm also in this classroom. I am in Christ, but I'm also on this team. I am in Christ, but I also have these clients. I am in Christ, but I'm also in whatever these avenues are. And what if we started to understand that my following of Jesus, my being in Christ, isn't isolated to my quiet times with him and my church attendance, but I am in Christ as well as in these locations as an ambassador. What if the circles that you run in is exactly the circles that he sent you into with a message? I'd like to propose it's not a what if. It is an absolute certainty that you are in Christ and you are in Missoula. You are in Christ and you are in those circles. What, do we, what would change inside of us? We understood that he sent us to these circles with a mission and with a message. I am in Christ, but I'm also in Missoula. I don't know about you, but I, I just love Missoula. I love this place. I was born here. I hope to die here. This place is it's the best. It is beautiful. You know those like, uh, ah, Missoula moments you get, whether it's a view or you, you're up on a mountain or you see the river or it's some of the community events that take place. It's just like, ah, Missoula. I just love those moments. And I'm praying that God just develops our hearts more and more to have a passion for this community. Like people, you can go wear your I love NY shirts, but I love Missoula. Like this is our city. This is our community. This is our home. And what does it look like for us to just continue to, to recognize that, yes, I am in Christ, but he has given us this beautiful opportunity to also be in Missoula. And I don't know what brought you to Missoula. I don't know how long you've been here or how long you're going to be here. But there are thousands of people in this community who have yet to hear or receive the good news of Jesus, who have yet to be reconciled. And you and I are ambassadors to them. We're on the same level. God has given me certain gift sets, certain experiences, certain opportunities that are entirely different than your gift sets, your opportunities, your relationships, your circles. We are on the same level. We are all ambassadors. We're in this city, in this season of time, with a message of reconciliation. We are here at this time on purpose and for a purpose. Some of you UM students, you're fresh to Missoula. You've been here a few weeks. Some of you have been here year after year, but you intend to leave here at some point. Once you graduate, go elsewhere. I want to tell you that your call to be an ambassador is not once you get where you're going. You're here now with purpose, on purpose, with a circle of influence that once you graduate and you move away, you will never have it again. This is a very limited time for you to have the influence that God has created you to, to be an ambassador in that circle. 
it's not just students. We never know when the job transitions are going to come or when one of our coworkers is going to retire or when life is going to make these changes. We have limited times in these circles to make the influence, to be the influence that God has called us to be. You ever have those uh, other end of the spectrum uh, Missoula moments where you're like scratching your head and you're like, oh, Missoula, you're so weird. Uh, we've had those too. I want to tell you, we live, especially in, in our state, we live in a city with some of its own unique challenges, its own unique experiences, its own unique opportunities. But I want to tell you once again that we were placed here, even for the things that make you scratch your head, with purpose and on purpose, by his will. And I think too often we can scratch our heads at certain things about our community, and it causes us to distance ourselves. I want to tell you my prayer is that those scratching your head ah, Missoula moments would just reminders, be reminders to you that you carry a message. Not that Missoula has to think like and look like and act just like you, but you have the message of hope. To those who maybe are living and behaving in a way contrary to that, if we leave or if we distance ourselves, what good are we to our community? It's these moments, whether it's ah, Missoula, I love you, or ah, Missoula, this frustrates me about you. Well, we are here for a limited amount of time to make some sort of impact? What does it look like for us to understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord? I'm gonna ask the band if they join me. I wanna speak real quick to the believer. You're here today. You consider yourself a follower of Jesus. You're a Christian. And most specifically, if Anchor Church is your home, I wanna speak this to you strongly. Anchor Church, followers of Jesus, we will work hard to persuade others to the faith that we have found. But we will work hard because we understand what a privilege it is that we get to participate. Because we understand the fearful responsibility that God has not just extended his grace to us to receive, but he has offered us the opportunity to be those that carry the message of reconciliation. We work hard because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. I love verse 14 that says, Christ's love controls or compels us. You know why we work hard? Because we got no other option. Because we are so caught up in the beauty of our Jesus. We're so infatuated with the gospel that has rescued us that his love for us, it just compels us. How many of you guys know there's a very big difference between compulsion and obligation? You guys ever get that invitation to like that wedding or that baby shower or, or that birthday party and it's a, it's a sense of obligation. I, oh, I feel like I should go, but you don't really want to go, but you're like obligated. What do I do with this? You're torn about it. You also get those invitations. It's like, it's a no brainer. I will take work off, I will go. And the difference between being compelled to attend versus being obligated to attend has everything to do with your understanding of love with that person. When there is a strong love and value system, it compels you to go. I wanna tell you, the passion for this sermon today and this series is not to obligate you to do something. It's to be so infatuated with the gospel that Jesus became the penalty for my sin. And he made me right with God that he sees me. When I know everything going on in this heart, he sees me as righteous, that I was his enemy, and he covered the debt that I owed him. He says, I choose to make you right with me. 
When I get infatuated with this story, this message, this hope, this grace, it's a compulsion, not an obligation. Would we be a people who go back to the gospel again and again and recognize the beauty of his love for me and it would compel us into action? We've talked about this before. Works and influence and doing the right things, they all are a part of our faith. But they are a result. They have their right place and they need to be in the right order. We've talked about this before. I'm going to make this really brief. It all starts with grace. It is by grace we have been saved. It is the grace of God that has extended his love towards us, made us right with him. But when his grace touches our lives, what it produces inside of us is faith. Grace always leads to faith. We start believing. We start buying into and following and engaging with what this gospel means. And faith, it's very clear in scripture, faith without works is dead. Faith will produce a changed behavior. You will be motivated to live differently, to engage in evangelism, to curb your behavior. And, and works will happen. But works are, are a result of faith and faith the result of grace. Because grace, faith, works, and then works always lead to influence. That when you are living differently, when you're living missionally, when you, you've got this, this passion to, to share your faith with people, influence begins to take place. But it always starts with grace. And the danger is that we just have a series, no, go be evangelists, go share your faith. And we don't be reminded once again of the gospel. It is the love of God that motivates you. Your motivation for evangelism is not a sermon on evangelism. Your greatest motivation for evangelism is not a series on evangelism or a little card that you can write a name and check some boxes like we did last week. Your greatest motivation is the love of God that's poured out on you. It's going back to His grace again and again. God, I, I continually am not living up to your standard. I've got this problem. I've got this struggle. I've got this sin. Yet you love me. Yet you made me new. Yet you have reconciled with me and it compels me because I understand my fearful responsibility to the Lord. We will work hard, not out of obligation, but we're compelled. I want to speak to our staff specifically first. You guys are already aware of this, but we will work hard. We don't do the bare minimums. We're going to work hard. God has graced us with a limited amount of time on this beautiful sliver of the planet. We're not going to let it go to waste. We're going to work hard because we understand. We'll speak to our leaders, those of you that are serving on the various teams. We will work hard. Some of you know you showed up here at seven, started laying out these mats and moving these chairs. You worked hard. You were sweating before some of the people in here were even awake. We will continue to work hard. Not so that more people can show up and say, I like Anchor Church, but we will work hard because we are, we are compelled by the love of God. We understand the responsibility. I say to those of you that have yet to engage at a deeper level with this church, let me be honest with you up front. It's a church that's gonna work hard. We're gonna work hard to fulfill the, the, the mission we've been given to see the lost found and the found anchor. To our group leaders, I know that Tucker has already set a standard where it, we're expecting a lot out of you. We will work hard because we understand. I say outside of these walls and the functions of this church, if Anchor Church is your home, I want to say it clearly to you. We will work hard in our relationships with our community to represent the King who has sent us as ambassadors. 
We will have standards. We will have convictions. We will be invested in relationships. We will be inviting to gospel opportunities. It's going to be defining of who we are because we understand our fearful responsibility. We're going to pray. We're going to invest. We're going to invite. If you're willing and able, would you stand with me? I want to take this last minute, maybe two minutes, to speak to the unbeliever. Whether you're in this room or you're watching online and today you're not a follower of Jesus, don't consider yourself a Christian, but you're here and you're still listening, you're still tuned in. I want to tell you, the gospel has been already communicated today, but the beauty of reconciliation, scripture does not say go reconcile yourself to God. The gospel is that he has covered the distance to reconcile with you. I'll tell you the good news, the hope that we believe in is that there is not a request on your life to figure out how to make things right with God, to be good enough, to change your behavior, to just convince yourself to believe. And it's not on you to, be re to reconcile yourself to God. The gospel is receive the reconciliation that has already been given to you through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. It says anyone who receives this good news becomes a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and you no longer live for yourself, but live on mission, becoming an ambassador. And I want to tell you today is the day where that can all take place. I believe today is the day of salvation for some. Today is the lost being found. For others, it's found being anchored. I want to tell you today is a day where you, you say yes to Jesus. It's not a certain words you have to say, a certain program you have to go through. It's the sincerity of grace touching your life and faith being birthed. If today's a day where faith is being birthed, we welcome you to this community. We welcome you to this family. We welcome you to a life of following Jesus. It's our desire to not just introduce you, but to walk with you. What you could do to help us in this process, to move from evangelism to discipleship, is uh, we've got some, some cards on the way out to say I've decided, but also if you would take your phone before you leave, scan the QR code. I think it's like the third option down says, I have decided card. If you click on that, you can just check a box that says, I've decided to start following Jesus. You can put whatever contact information you want. We'll make it simple. And this week we'll come alongside of you, say, hey, welcome to the journey. We wanna just be able to, to honestly say that we're not just here to see the lost found, but we wanna walk with you as the found become anchored in the hope of Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace. Thank you that you are on a mission to build your church. We thank you that you came to seek and to save those who were lost. God, you are, you've captivated my heart. And Lord, we as a church say we are going to engage with you in the incredible privilege of being your ambassador. God, I ask that you give us double vision whether it's progressively or instantly, that we see that there is a vision to not just grow in maturity and feel good spiritually myself, but there, is, there are people in our lives to reproduce in, to pray for, to invest in relationship, to invite to gospel opportunities. God, burden our hearts with a passion. God, I pray that this would not just be a speeches to try to motivate us into action. But God, this would be us coming together consistently as a family, looking back at your gospel, looking at your grace, and that your love would just compel us. So Lord, we look to your love. In your name we're gathered. In your name we pray.